0: Let's take our Bibles tonight, please, and turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 tonight. And man, I'm glad to start seeing things turn back to normal. Getting back into church. And let me remind you, next Sunday morning, 9.45, we'll have Sunday school class right here in the auditorium. Everybody together. And then the following week, August the 8th, we'll go back to our Sunday school classes, right where they always were, back in their classrooms. And so you'll be praying about that. Let me encourage you to pray. Uh, for certain folks, in the last, uh, you know, last year and a half, a lot of folks' health has gone downhill, and so there's some folks we may not see back into church, and we're hoping and praying that that's not the case. But we remember, of course, Mrs. Snively and uh, Calvin. Is Calvin here? He just went out the side door, I think, to put his mic away. I don't see Tony and Lori tonight. Neither one of them. They're not here. And so let, let's just re- just pause before we have our uh, preaching time, and we'll pray for. Mrs. Snively, if they're not here, there's usually a problem. And so let's remember them. And, of course, you know, the back row, there are Mrs. Barber, Mrs. Chaparel, and others. Uh, Mrs. Atkinson is now 97 years old. 97 years old, Mrs. Atkinson. And so let's remember them in prayer. And uh, always these faithful folks have been so many years, but the last year and a half... People have aged and changed. Uh, Spring Wilson is another one we don't see a lot of, and uh, let's pray for Spring and remember them in prayer. And and so let's just remember them in prayer. But would you also pray uh, for those that were on our buses and all the rest? We want to start seeing them coming back into church and getting our bus routes back in line. And so be in prayer about that. We'd appreciate that. And we have a plan at the end of the month. We have vacation Bible school at the end of sorry at the end of August. This is still July. So at the end of August we have vacation Bible school. And we're hoping and praying that we'll be able to run buses that week and pick up kids in Simcoe, Del Highport, Port, over and around the area. And we're looking forward to a great week. If you've not signed up to help with that and you would like to, please go ahead and do that. You can go to registrations on the church website. And just like you were signing up for church in the past, you can sign up to be a worker at Vacation Bible School. There will be a meeting coming up about that. And so let's, uh, let's get involved in that. But then right after that, we want to start running the buses on Sundays. And on Thursday nights, Master Clubs. And so we're looking forward to those things. Now, we know that everything changes so quickly, but we're excited and praying that we can start moving forward and start doing all those things we used to do and start building uh, our our children's ministries again and start building our church again. So be in prayer about that. Remember those that are on vacation that aren't with us tonight and and many are traveling and out of town, but we appreciate uh, when they'll be back and part of our services again. So let's look at the Bible tonight. Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, I won't keep you too long tonight, and um, Brother Leroy came to me before the service and said, I like this 5 o'clock, we ought to do this all the time, and it's because he dozes off around 6.15, and so we want to make sure, <laughs> he, he, I was just seeing if you're awake, brother, amen, <laughs> Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 17 with me. We'll read through verse 32. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. I've entitled the message tonight, The Progress of the Local Church. Our theme for this year has been Be the Church. Unfortunately, we haven't been together a lot where we've been able to put that into practice, but it has been my hope and prayer that we have been the church to one another during this difficult time. Uh, that we've ministered to others' needs, is I'm I'm always thankful when I hear people are taking meals to shut-ins and different things, and that's happened a lot. And uh, you say, well, we don't hear about it. Uh, Thank the Lord for behind-the-scenes people that don't want attention. They just want to serve. They don't want to be a star. They don't want the accolades. They're just thankful to be able to serve. And uh, I'm going to tell you this. When my wife went to Texas... Uh, people were dropping meals off on my friend's step. What a blessing. And just, uh, we were taking care of. My uh, wife said, did, uh, did you cook up this? Or did she buy some groceries? Did you use this? Did, uh, did Bethany cook supper? I said, we haven't had to cook anything. I mean, there's been roast beef from Hank to DeConings. There was a meal from Cindy. There was all kinds of stuff. We ate like kings. And I, I say that to say, I appreciate a church that tries to be a church. Love one another, help one another, encourage one another, and uh, so that's, that's what we ought to do. And I understand right now there's a meal train set up. If you want to be a blessing to Hilda and Neil, uh, go ahead. And, and uh, I, said, I said to somebody the other day, I said, this is going to be a letdown for Neil because Hilda's such a good cook that he's going to have to eat somebody else's cooking for the next couple weeks but uh, it is a blessing not to have to work and do all the dishes and everything while they adjust to a new baby in the home. And, of course, Hilda's recovering as well. So let's, let's get behind them and let's be the church. But tonight we're going to look at the Bible, the progress of the local church. I want to encourage our church to move forward, to take steps towards normalcy. And it, it, just, it just felt like the last year and a half, and I'll tell you what it's felt like. It's felt like we are a church plant, when you start a church and a church plant, and we were involved in that in Stony Creek, you uh, you never know when your next meeting place is going to be. Sometimes you have to change places. Sometimes you have to change times. We set up chairs and we set up sound system every week for months and months and months and even years. Then we moved into other rental situations, and that's what it's felt like, hasn't it? We've been inside. We've been in our cars in a parking lot. We've been outside in lawn chairs on the back of semi-trucks. We've been in the gymnasium. We've been on the olive room. We've been in our pajamas in our living room watching the church services. Don't lie to me, I know you have. And so we just feel like we've had so much transition and so much change, I feel like it's time we start moving forward. So we're going to talk about the progress of the local church. And look at Acts chapter 20 and read with me in verse 17. The Bible says, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. Let me just give you a little background very quickly. The Apostle Paul is on his third missionary journey. He has a desire to return to Jerusalem for Pentecost, and we'll read that in just a moment. He wants to get back for Pentecost on this third missionary journey. And the Bible says he sails through the Mediterranean, and he bypasses Ephesus and lands in Miletus. Now, understand this. His heart was in Ephesus, and I believe, that if I'm understanding the scripture properly, and we, we looked at this on a Wednesday night not too long ago, part of our Acts study. I believe that Paul bypassed Ephesus because he knew that if he went there, he would want to stay there. There was such a hunger for the word of God in Ephesus and it was there that he would preach for many hours and many days and and Paul knew that this is not a good place for me to stop if I hope to get back to Jerusalem for Pentecost so he sailed by this place and the Bible says he came from Miletus and he sent from Miletus, when he landed Miletus he sent to Ephesus and he called the elders of the church and so he says you need to come to me. If I get down there with the people that I love, I'm just going to spend too much time. So let's have the elders come up, and I'll have a meeting with them. And so he does that. And verse 18 says, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go, bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save... That the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify of the gospel, or testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, And to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, tonight for the time of worship. Lord, where we have communicated our love towards you. We've rejoiced in the songs of salvation. We've praised your name tonight for all that you have done for us. You are the lion and you are the lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. Father, we pray that now, in fact, we would be still and know that you are God that we just listen attentively to the Word of God, that we would respond in our hearts to the Holy Spirit's pleadings. Father, I pray that you'd speak through me. I surrender to you, and I need your help. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul has communicated to these elders from the churches of Ephesus that they would see his face no more. Perhaps that's one of the reasons Paul did not stop in Ephesus. Can you imagine what kind of followed, there might have been, had Paul, the beloved apostle, the one that had begotten many children of God through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, had seen many saved, and they looked up to him, and if he were to stand before them and say, I'm going to Jerusalem, it is likely that I'll either die there or be delivered to Rome or some other fate would befall me, for the Holy Ghost has witnessed in every city that bonds and afflictions abide me. And so you will see my face no more. That would have been a very difficult parting and likely difficult for Paul. And so he bypasses Ephesus and lands in Miletus. And there he calls for the elders of Ephesus. And so they come and he tells them what is about to happen in his life. But he also gives them some direction. And, and basically, if I can summarize what he is saying, he is saying this, it is time for you as a church to stand on your own two feet. It's time to be mature children of God. It's time for your elders to teach the whole counsel of God. And He gives many reasons why, and we'll look at those tonight. But I want you to notice in the scriptures as we look back at verse 19, go to verse 19 with me. We notice, first of all, the, the posture of a servant. Paul is emphasizing how important it is to be a servant. You understand, we, we walk into these places in 2014, we went to Israel, many of us in this room went to Israel, and we saw every church that was built at every, what they call, holy site. There's probably some here. How many of you others have been to Israel? Just raise your hand if you've been there. So, so there's others have been there. And uh, every, every, what they call, holy site, they build a Catholic church. And they put up a, a shrine, if you will, to whatever happened at that place, whether it's the baptism, they call it the traditional baptism site where John the Baptist was baptizing at the headwaters of the river. There's other places such as the Pool of Bethesda. And uh, the Pool of Bethesda, there's a big Catholic church there. And I remember going in, and because of the acoustics, our whole group sang a great hymn in that place. And I remember different places we went, but everywhere we went, there was a monastery, there was a convent or a Catholic church. And almost without exception, every one of those would have a statue of all the apostles somewhere on that facility. Whether it was the Mount of Olives, whether it was the Mount of Beatitudes, whether it was some church over at Capernaum, they would have statues throughout these cities. And the Apostle Paul was always venerated and often they would call him Saint Paul. But the Apostle Paul says, that's, that's not how I came to you. I didn't come like I'm the Pope. I didn't come like I'm better than anybody else. I am the Apostle to the Gentiles and I came. Notice what he says in chapter 20 and verse 19. He came as a servant. And I want you to notice the posture of being a servant. You say, why is this important and what's this got to do with the progress of the local church? Here's why, friends. Because if we are going to go forward as a church, we must be an army of soldiers but also of servants. We must be willing to serve one another. But we must also be willing to serve our community as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what he says about being a servant. He says, I'm serving the Lord with all humility of mind. He had a humble temperament. A humble temperament. Somebody has said this, and I believe it was on the desk of one of the presidents of the United States. It's amazing what can be accomplished when no one cares who gets the credit. That's an amazing statement, and I believe it is a scriptural in foundation as we consider we are to be humble servants of God. We aren't aren't to worry about who gets the credit for whatever takes place in our lives. We would rather see that God would move with his mighty Holy Spirit through empty vessels that are clean and meet for the master's use. You know, it's interesting when somebody gives a testimony. There are times where I've heard people say, I remember going around a room a little bit like we did tonight, but there were several more involved. And and we'd say, tell us about the day you got saved. And somebody would say, well, I got saved, and I got saved, and I got saved. And And then one time I remember a lady standing up and saying, the Lord saved me. I went, wow, that sounded different. It's just words. And there's nothing wrong with saying I got saved. But to say the Lord saved me just sounded so much more humble. Like I didn't have anything to do with it. I, uh, all, all I had to do with it is I realized that I was a no-good rotten sinner. And that God reached down by his grace and his mercy, and he picked me up. What the church needs is some humble servants. And he says, I had a humble temperament. I was uh, serving the Lord with all humility in mind. And look at the next thing. And with many tears, we see that he had heavy tears. Paul wept over those that he was trying to win to Christ. Somebody would say, well, you know, when you get saved, everything is, oh, man, it's just, you know, sunshine and roses all the time. That's not true at all. Most of those that we read about in the word of God gave their very lives for the sake of the gospel. We understand that we are to those that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And so we should weep over those that are lost and we should pour our hearts and lives into them. And Paul said he also have to endure human temptations. Look what he says. Uh, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying and the way of the Jews. Paul says I had a humble temperament and I, I, I served with heavy tears and I endured human temptations. And in this case, he's talking about trials. Trials. How easily are we turned away from the task at hand? You see, a servant is one that has humbled himself to. Uh, listen, let me, let me say this. Somebody might say, that was a humiliating experience. Humiliation is the result of pride, humility is what we should have. You say, well, I was, I was humbled. Not humiliated. Humility is a result of being spirit filled. There's a difference. Somebody throws a joke at you and teases you about your age or your hair loss, and I'm I'm not speaking from personal experience, but you can be humiliated or you can just humbly accept it because you're walking in the Spirit of God. It's a choice, it's a choice. Listen, let's let's be careful about our pride. Because if we're going to move forward as a church, we must have the posture of a servant. Serving one another in love. Paul said, I come to you as a servant. Paul's humility allowed him to take in stride those trials that came his way. How many of you think that everybody loved Paul? No, the Jews were lying in wait. Pride causes us much pain because we push back and fight. But humility will drive us to our knees in prayer. Notice the second thing we see what Paul says here. He talks about the posture of a servant, but we see the purpose of sharing. Verse 20, how I kept back nothing. Paul was constantly sharing and teaching the word of God. How I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. But have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul reveals the purpose behind uh, why he continued to preach and teach the Word of God throughout Asia Minor and throughout his missionary journeys. There's more than just dropping a track in someone's lap, or or, or, uh, Paul was confrontational. He took it upon himself to make sure. He said later on, I I am free from the blood of all men. Why? Because he faithfully shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice about his message in verse 20. It was a message with nothing excluded. He said, I kept back nothing. Sometimes we want to soft soap things. A lady came to me a while ago, and I was about to preach a funeral. And she said, you know, she says, Uh, my family, they're they're very hard. And she says, I I just want to caution you not to preach hellfire and brimstone at the funeral. And I said, Well, you know, at a funeral we're usually try to be very kind, but we want to preach the gospel. We want to make sure that they know Jesus. And and she kind of shook her head at me and I said, Did I do something wrong? And she says, Well, this was a gentleman that was dying. She says, At mom's funeral, you preach hellfire and brimstone. I look back in my mind and I remember the passage her husband had given it to me to preach, and I, I thought, boy, we, we need to preach the whole counsel of God. I don't remember ripping faces off. I don't remember I don't remember screaming or shouting about people going to hell or anything like that. I, I, you know, we I've heard things like that, and there's times where we bring that into play, but I don't remember doing that. But just the thought of hell had offended. He had asked me to preach on the rich man and Lazarus. How do you do that without mentioning hell? And he says, I want you to emphasize the the man that said, go and tell my five brothers. Go and tell the others about Jesus Christ. Listen, we have to preach the whole counsel of God. And Paul says, there's a message that I preached to you with nothing excluded. It was, he said, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. But we also notice it was a message with nowhere excluded. Notice what he says. He says, but I've showed you and I've taught you both publicly and from house to house. You wouldn't come to church, so I came to you. Hey, he says, I, I made sure that I wasn't going to exclude anyone from this. I went everywhere I needed to go to preach the gospel. And, and friends, let me remind you that uh, when we come to the, the house of God and we gather for church and we, we talk about this gospel and winning souls to Christ, listen, most people that come here every week, are likely saved. I'm not trying to convince you you are. I want you to make sure that you're saved. The Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's an important thing that you examine your heart and make sure that you're in the Lord. But let me say this. The real gospel work takes work place outside these walls. As we're in our daily routines, talking to people and meeting with people and seeing them at the grocery store and talking to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. It was just the other... Day, my wife and I were with somebody. I can't, Oh, it was the, the Claytons. And uh, the Clayton family down in Ohio had in Bruce Fry shortly after we did. I called him and I said, man, Brother Fry is going to be in your area. If you get a chance to have him in, you need to have Brother Fry in. How many of you remember Bruce Fry? One of the Bruce Fry's gifts is he's a great singer. And he's written some great songs about the gospel. But his real gift is his meekness. That guy, he could stand right in your face and tell you you're going to hell and you would smile back and give him a hug. He just has that gift. So sweet-spirited. He could preach up here and just so sweet and just convince you of your need of Jesus Christ. Brother Clayton and I were sitting in a restaurant and I, he was talking about Brother Fry and he said, yeah, we're trying to have him come down again and and uh, we want to have him again. Man, we enjoyed him. And, and I looked around that restaurant and I said... I said, you know, if Brother Fry were here, every person in this room would have a track already. He says, yeah, you're right. And that was the case. Everywhere he went, he was telling people about Jesus. Everywhere. Nobody was excluded. Didn't matter where he was, he took the time to share the gospel with people. It was a message with nowhere excluded, but it was a message with no one excluded. The Bible says, testifying, verse 21, both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I, I, I'm not just going to one people group. Sometimes I get a little nervous when a missionary comes and saying, well, I'm going to the pigeon people. That's a real group, by the way. I'm not making that up. People that speak the pigeon language in the suburb of Markham over on these three blocks in Toronto. I thought, what do you do when you knock on the door of somebody from China? Somebody from Korea? Somebody from Canada. We sometimes become so narrow that we forget that everybody needs the gospel. And Paul says, I'm not just going to some, I'm going to the Jews and also to the Greeks. And Peter had focused on the Jews and Paul says, no, no, I'm going to all with the gospel and I'm preaching to them about repentance. Repentance. Yesterday I was talking to somebody and I asked them to share their testimony of salvation with me. And they said, you know, and I, he told me the story about the time when he was confronted with the gospel and realized he was a sinner, and he says, I repented, and I turned to Jesus Christ. And I went, wow. Do you know that probably 95% of testimonies you hear, they won't say the word repentance? But he did, and I went, boy, he knows. If he's talking about repentance, repentance is turning away from everything else you trust and trusting only in Jesus Christ. Believing only on him. He, you cannot add Jesus to a collection of your idols or a collection of your gods. You must trust in Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. Whosoever shall, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word, the, is a definite article. It means singular in purpose, only one. He is God. That is biblical repentance. He says no one's excluded, nowhere's excluded, nothing is excluded. I taught you everything about the gospel of Jesus Christ and that is the purpose of sharing. Then we see thirdly, Paul talks about the path of sacrifice. The path of sacrifice. I want to move quickly through the rest of this but I want to stop here and emphasize this tonight. We are willing to sacrifice much for our children. I believe that. I think, I think if you were to ask Neil right now what he would do for that little girl, he'd give his life. She's six days old, and you're already willing to give your life, likely, no doubt. He'd die for her. Are we willing to do the same for the lost? Paul was. Paul said he he was willing to give his very life that the nation of Israel might be saved. Romans chapter 10. It it was just his dying wish that all might come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you, as we consider now rebuilding our bus ministries, and I believe, by the way, I believe we're going to have to start right from scratch. Kids that are 12 are now 14 and have fallen away and have found other interests. We're going to have to work real hard at trying to reach those kids again. Our teen group is going to have to be rebuilt. Our Sunday school is going to have to be rebuilt. Our buses are going to have to be rebuilt. We're like a church plant once again, and we're going to have to work hard at it. What are we willing to sacrifice? Notice what the Apostle Paul says as we look in verse 22. He says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saving that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. What's he saying? That's not going to stop me. I'm not worried about that. I have a mission given to me by God. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. The other day... I saw a little, a picture. I saw a picture of a young man standing in front of a luxury sports car in the city of Dubai. Leaning on this car with the city of Dubai in the background. How many of you know what Dubai is? It is the richest city in the world. It's filled with oil sheiks. Just filled with it. It's the richest city in the world. It's, it's incredible the amount of wealth there. And then underneath begin to talk about the sacrifices he's making for his children. I thought, huh? Something doesn't add up. Your children aren't in the picture. They're not on vacation with you. I'm not here to criticize somebody that does something like that, but I just I I know the lie, and I just didn't understand. What are we what, Is that sacrifice? How did that impact the kingdom of God? How did that help in reaching souls for Jesus Christ? Paul says, "I want to follow God regardless of the course." Notice verse 22, "Now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. It doesn't matter where He takes me, I'm going to go. It doesn't matter uh, where He leads me, I'm going to follow. Can we say the same? Lord, I'll serve you as long as it's not in Africa. Lord, I'm happy to to go the extra mile as long as I don't miss a meal. As long as I don't have to give up my vacation that year. Are you willing to follow no matter what the course? Are you focusing regardless of the cost? Do you know what it should cost us something to serve God? I'm not talking about tithes and offerings. David was offered a threshing floor of Ornan to sacrifice unto the Lord. He says, you can just have it. And David says, I'm not going to worship my God with something that costs me nothing. I'll pay for it. No, 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 David, it's yours. No, it's going to cost me something if I'm going to worship God with it. I will not come with my hand filled with something that costs me nothing. We need to learn again to sacrifice, regardless of the cross. He says, there are bonds and afflictions. He said, Neither count my life dear. Listen, worry steals our joy, but obedience brings joy. Are we willing to sacrifice? Are we willing to give? I think I've told you before about my friend Stuart Foy. Some of you might remember Stuart, came to Baptist Bible College back in the 80s. I think he lived with the pipes and Stuart's one, one of those sweet guys. He's meek. He's just a real, real good guy. I remember going up to his church one time in Wingham and hearing him preach, and that morning a little boy got on that bus that he was riding on, and the kid had lice so bad they were crawling on his neck and biting him, just infested. His clothes were infested with lice and bed bugs and all the rest. And that little boy just wanted to be loved so Stuart throughout his message was scratching and itching (laughs) I said to him after I said what was going on man you look like you were having a fit and he says there was this little boy on the bus this morning and he says I just he broke my heart so I picked him up and I put him on my lap sacrifice that little boy went home feeling loved you know, we worry so much about ourselves. Paul says, I'm willing to give my life for the cause of Christ. I'm reminded of Peter. The Lord Jesus Christ asked him three times, Peter, lovest thou me. And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. And then he said, one day some will carry you where you would not go yourself. And the Bible says, this he spake signifying his death. You say, did Peter quit? No, he went out and preached the day of Pentecost. Put himself right front and center in the battle, even though Jesus just told him, you're going to die for preaching the gospel. Do we sacrifice? Do we sacrifice? Oh, I can't wait to see the buses filled to the brim, pulling in. Not just kids, moms and dads. Seeing people saved. I can't wait to walk through the gym building on a Sunday morning and all four of those classrooms are just brimming full. I can't wait to walk down the hall and the olive room is overflowing and the the, the foundations class is overflowing and, and the nursery is filled with babies. I can't wait. But it's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take some hard work. Are we willing to do what it takes? And then we see... The fourth thing that Paul talks about is the protection of the saints. Why why did he preach that whole counsel of God? Notice who he says in verse 25. Listen, let me just interject here. Here's why we go to church. You say, I I don't really know why I go to church. We go to church to worship God. But here's here's a good reason to go to church right here. The protection of the saints. Now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed thereto, or therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. So he says, he says, I've declared on you the whole counsel of God. Now I want you in to turn to go back and preach the word of God and teach the word of God and declare the whole counsel of God and feed the flock of God. Why? Verse 29, for I know that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Paul says there's some dangers from without. We are protected through the word of God. We must be grounded in the truth. We must learn the word of God to recognize the lie. Sunday morning, we typically are gospel-centered, and we preach the gospel each and every week, uh, if not in full, but we at least include it in the message because there's people coming that need Jesus Christ. But friends, I would encourage you, get into Sunday night and get into Wednesday night and get into your connection group and go to Sunday school and take a discipleship class through the church. It's important that we are grounded in the truth because grievous wolves can enter in. I was reading, my uh, mom sent me a family history of the McCarthy family from Nanticoke, the town in Nanticoke out here by the lake. And uh, there's, there's three McCarthy sisters that married three Mead brothers, and that's where we're all descended from. My mom's family is all from the Meades and the McCarthys. And there was a little bit of biography from those McCarthy family that first settled in Nanticoke. They were some of the first ones there. And it said this, I didn't know this was this bad down in this area, but at nighttime, they would have to board up the windows and the doors from the inside to keep out the wolves and the cougars. Down here in southern Ontario, this is 200 and some odd years ago, but they had to board up the windows because those cougars and the wolves were so hungry they'd smash right through and eat them. Incredible. That's, That's what people endured. You know, the Bible says... We have to know the whole counsel of God because wolves are entering in. Wolves are entering in. Let's be careful. There's danger from without. But he said also in verse 30, there's deception from within. Also of your own self shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. You know, the scripture warns over and over of false prophets. Galatians chapter 1 says, If anybody else preach another gospel, let him be accursed. Jude chapter 1 verse 4 says that evil men have crept in unawares. It's, we need, you say, why do we need sound doctrine? Why do you emphasize doctrine? Why do we teach through books of the Bible on Wednesday nights? Why do we have Sunday school classes? Because there's danger out there, both without and within. Paul concludes, this is why I've warned you for all these years. Verse 31, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn Everyone, night and day, with tears. Man, talk about a Bible college experience. For three years, every night and every day, with tears, Paul warned them and taught them the word of God. We get get a, a daily bread devotional book and say, well, there, I'm ready to take on the day. Bring on the wolves. No, these people were equipped. They had on the armor of God. It's important. What is the conclusion? How do we survive in this day? How does the church move forward? Paul was saying to the church at Ephesus, hey, it's time. You're not going to see me anymore. But I need you to move forward. So keep teaching the word of God. Keep preaching the word of God. Keep reaching souls for Christ. Going door to door, wherever they are. Tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is it that will sustain us through this? Verse 32. (laughs) And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all these which are sanctified. It's by his grace and it's by his word. That's it. Listen. Cody was talking to me the other day and he says, we're going to do the vacation Bible school and we're going to do a finale on the Sunday following. And he says... He says, I'm going to get a a bouncy house for the kids, and we're going to do this and do that. And I said, fine. Hey, I'm not against fun. I like fun. Uh, I I like watching Pastor Paul get in the bouncy house. He did it last time. But listen, we don't need that to build a church. We need his grace, and we need his word. Let's keep that in our minds. Let's keep that. We don't need a circus I mean, it's fun. I mean, as, as, as a family, as the people of God, I, I think it's, it's great to have picnics and it's great to have uh, things for the kids. And it, it, I mean, because I, I want them, I want people to come to church. I want kids to come to church and say, I had a good time at church. I enjoyed church. There's something there that I can, I, I, I'm glad they can come on a Saturday and they can play games back in the backyard or a water slide down the hill or whatever we do with them. I'm glad they can do that because I want them to come to this place and enjoy it but we'll build it by his word and by his grace because if all we're doing is a circus type atmosphere we'll build a crowd but we won't build a church and I want to see the church move forward we're going to put an emphasis on the word of God and we're going to put an emphasis on his grace let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment can I ask you right now to do this with me let's stand together as we start moving forward putting one step in front of another you know for months we We didn't know if we'd be open or closed next Sunday. And things could still change, but would you pray right now for Bethel Baptist Church? Would you ask God, God, what would you have me to do? What sacrifice should I make in order to reach souls for Jesus Christ and the furtherance of the kingdom of God? How can I help this church move forward? The plan is simple. Let's just keep preaching the word of God and relying on the grace of God. What is it I can do?